Welcome back to the Cock and Ball podcast, a weekly look at all things Spurs and the time it takes to walk from Seven Sisters to White Hart Lane. Although this week, uh, after a week we've had, you're probably skipping down Tottenham High Road. Uh, you can also check us out on Facebook, uh, just search for the Cock and Ball podcast. Uh, and we are on Twitter at Cock and Ball underscore part. Uh, I'm Tom, aka Fen. And once again, we've got the Fab Four with us this evening. Firstly, we have five pints and I'm done. We've got Ashley. <laughs> Good evening, gents. Alongside the football insight equivalent of ordering your food in a queue outside the pub, it's Jules. You all right, mate? How are we doing? Very well, thank you. Uh, and gently reminding everyone that putting a random asterisk in the middle of the C word isn't quite a reduction. Uh, it's Jim. Evening. Uh, so we've had a mad busy week. Let's crack on with it. Um, another mad week for Spurs, which involved three games. It's been a nice therapy from the handball travesty that was uh, Newcastle last week. Three wins against uh, Chelsea, firstly, in the hashtag Carabao. Uh, Maccabee Haifa qualifying for the group stages of the Europa League and an orgasmic crushing uh, of Man United on Sunday. So let's let's try and do them in order, uh, if we can. Tuesday, if you can actually remember back that far, um, we're not Chelsea out of the League Cup on penalties. Um, Ash, at what point do you come down from such a high like that? Well, I don't know. As everybody knows, the Carabao Cup is the biggest cup competition in the world. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that was a massive win. Um, no, it was it was a good, unexpected result that set us on on the path for a good week. And I think it um, I think it highlights well the positive feeling in the camp at the moment. That's certainly all the fans are feeling as well. It's lovely always just to beat Chelsea. Like. I don't know. There's, there was a little part of me in the build-up which was trying to play it down to myself and sort of pretend like it didn't matter. And then I found myself screaming, you fucking <laughs> out of Mason Mount and just being so happy when he missed that pen. <laughs> I, I stand by it. I was just so happy at that moment. Um, so what, what Jules said here was that he doesn't like Mason Mount very much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he didn't mince his words. <laughs> you pretend like it's not so important right up until the moment the final whistle goes and then you let you, you let it the outpouring kind of go I mean it was the one game that we said last week that we were indifferent about if we were to choose one to lose it would have been this we put out uh, a heavily rotated team uh, essentially our B team Chelsea put out a better team and we really <laughs> expected especially at half time uh, <laughs> to be on our way out and at second half we turned up Lamella worked tirelessly and then <laughs> we, we edged it on penalties and we realized that we were much more invested in it than we actually realized but I think the beauty of it is the fourth round of the EFL Cup as it really is it's kind of sounds so far away from uh, mm. an actual piece of silverware but you're actually you know we're already in the quarterfinals now you're actually already three or four games away from silverware yeah it's a bit of a weird one isn't it because it's been condensed because of the season, like you say, you're almost most of the way through the competition already. But, I mean, it's it's so long ago uh, in football terms that I've basically forgotten the match. But I just enjoyed um, the little uh, tete-a-tete between Mourinho and Lampard. Because I've always thought Lampard, is he's got far too thin a skin to be a manager. He obviously takes things far too personally. And he's well, he's li- got far too thin a hairline as well. Yeah, he's just a, <laughs> <laughs> he's just a bit on the hairline, folks. Oh. Yeah, even, even the best of men can have can suffer yeah. from this. All right, quiet, fine. And the worst. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's just something about him that he's, he's just, you know, he's a bit mardy, isn't he? And it was quite funny to see Mourinho 
<laughs> telling him to sit down and be quiet in not so many words. <laughs> we've also got a really easy draw now. I mean, saying that we'll probably lose, but we've got Stoke. Um, Newcastle Brentford means that um, one of the semi finalists will be fairly weak. But then the other two quarterfinals are Arsenal City and Everton Man U. So quite rarely for us, we seem to have had a bit of sort of rubber the green in terms of, uh, you know, getting getting a favourable draw and hopefully that can give us a little chance. Yeah, so long way to continue. Um, the draw looking, being arguably the most shocking result of the week. <laughs> <laughs> looking forward to you getting absolutely dumped out by Brentford now who have said that. Well, speaking in- of which. So it was a weird moment in the second half where Dyer left the pitch to dump something <laughs> out. Um, I mean, normally it's us that are shitting ourselves when he's defending, but it's nice to see that he also does it as well. Um, I can't think of a moment in professional football anyway that I've ever seen anything like that. Um, I don't even know, like, for, even from our amateur days of playing or watching <laughs> no. football, I can't think of anything as ludicrous. No, I can't think of that. I can think of players going to A&E but uh, <laughs> the only thing that I can think of is that video because we're all too young because we're hashtag millennials, but of Gary Lineker actually shitting himself on the pitch. But otherwise, I can't think of... Um... I can ask one question to Jim as a as our sort of impartial sort of third party, so to speak. Mm. Um, what did you think of, of Reggion at left back, given that you obviously, you know, you might not be taken in by uh, sort of the love story, which I'm already falling into here just because I hate Ben Davies so much. But but what did you think of him as a debut? I know what you're saying about not liking Ben Davies and therefore you sort of think that anything's Anyone better just because it's not hit. Yeah, but I'm, I'm just thinking of that. Like, that, that cross for Lamella was, like, perfect. And he was... I thought he looked quite steady. And actually, it's um it's all right. I know he made a mistake for, for Chelsea's goal, but as, as debuts go... I think it could have gone a lot worse, and um, I, th- I think it's going to be a good signing. I mean, he was still sliding into the advertising hoardings by the time the goal went in. That's how <laughs> much he committed to not staying on his feet. Uh, but to give him some sort of credit to his character, um, he didn't let it get to him. He, he just cracked yeah. on the game, and yeah, that cross to Lamella was yeah. sublime. It'd be easy to go to bits, wouldn't it? But he didn't. And uh, yeah, like you say, that's to his credit. So I think uh, I think he's a good find. I think we, we've also seen both of our, well, what will now be probably our backup fullbacks in Davies and Aurier um, playing better because they actually have competition for once. Yeah. Davies and Aurier were so much better against United. I know Davies came off the bench, but he won the penalty and he looked far more attacking also against Maccabee Haifa. And I feel like the the arrival of Reggion and uh, um, Doherty at, at right back means that they're actually... You know, for the first time, they they realise they've got to do a little bit more in order to to retain a spot. Yeah, sometimes that's the value of a player, isn't it? Coming in, it's not just what they add individually, but that sense of competition and and like you say, sort of improving the collective, either in training or on the pitch. There's that um, there's that thing, isn't there, about that happens to sports teams called social loafing, where everybody um, becomes, particularly in training, sportsmen can become less than the sum of their parts because they all know each other quite well and it's all quite relaxed. But when you get a new face in the camp, people want to impress and not be the one person that shows himself up or makes makes their coach think that they're the one to be dropped. So I suppose a bit like you can get a new manager bounce, you get a bit of a new player bounce as well. And I think you're right. Um, 
certainly Aurier, I know we'll come on to it, but for me looked a far better, um, particularly against United. So, um, so yeah, I think it's all good. I think it has a greater impact than that as well. I think it, it will show us the Mourinho that we're going to get. Do we still have this myth around Mourinho being the most pragmatic and defensive manager, despite what his teams at Porto and Real Madrid played like? The reason we, we only we played the way we did last season is we only had one way to set up our defence because we only had one left back and with Cessna not being ready. So I think now we'll see Jose Mourinho setting up depending on the team we're playing against rather than just having our own set tactic. So Thursday, we went again. Squad gets heavily rotated again uh, against Israel's Maccabee Haifa uh, in our final Europa League qualifier. Uh, we we led early, but then they equalised from a sweet strike from Cherry. Huh? He had it here first. Um, <laughs> they had a sweating a bit before we eventually just completely ran away with it. Uh, Jules, what, what did you most like about what you saw on Thursday? Uh, I thought it was just a, a sort of a clinical attacking performance against a side that frankly were clearly a lot better than. But it's very easy to kind of play within yourself a bit and just end up playing possession football. Um, it was nice that we we actually kind of really tried to put them to the sword and clock up a good little good little sort of set of goals. I also really liked um, the Celso, who if there's yeah. one criticism of him that you maybe would say from season one, it's that for for evidently such a good player, I think he only got like two goals and two assists or something. But- I was just just going to say he's not as far as I'm aware he's not scored a league goal yet. But you know a bit like how. Um, we've just been talking about the League Cup. You see that stat this week about James Milner. The League Cup's been going for 60 years and James Milner has played in half a percent of all League Cup games. And he's <laughs> he's just like Mr. League Cup. I almost feel like La Celso's kind of missed the Europa League because he keeps banging them in. He'll be a great, um, you know, I think he's I think he's a great asset. But seeing him... You know, I, I I sometimes felt last year like we we really needed him to sort of control the tempo and, and the play a little bit deeper. But with Hoisberg in, who's doing so much better, and Ndombele actually getting involved, maybe there's a chance for Lacelso to try and be one of those centre mids or those eights who who goes on and gets you know six to ten goals in a year, which is really really valuable when you can get those players in. Yeah, as much as I admired his performance and the team performance, can I say the thing I enjoyed most was watching Fanny get punished. No, you can't. Jim, <laughs> can you say that? I can't see anything wrong with that. <laughs> no, it was it was a it was a very good performance. Uh, more, I don't think we need to talk about the ridiculous handball rule again. But other than that, and a simply sublime effort from from Cherry, not much went wrong there. We 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 dominated the ball. We cut them open time and time again. And we were clinical, and I think the thing we learned most from that is that we do have pretty decent squad depth, as much as, much as you can learn that from a you know a team from the Farmers League. Kylian and Mbappe won't like you saying that. <laughs> <laughs> and then on to Sunday, I guess. I mean, that was really well, all about. Something happened between Thursday's <laughs> game and Sunday. Can anyone Saturday. guess what it was? <laughs> We signed the striker, didn't we? We did. We... Thank <laughs> you. I mean, how, how has no one noticed? Um, <laughs> What did you, uh, so Fem, what do you make of Vinicius? What was your first impression of him? My first impression was um, kind of a la Danny Rose, wherever he is. Um, I, I, don't, I, didn't, I knew absolutely nothing about him. 
so it's kind of what I'm looking for from perhaps one of you three. Is <laughs> I know very, very little about him apart from the highlight reels that eventually just got turned churned out on Twitter and he scored something like 18 goals last season. More than um, that. Is it? Well, yeah, no, I think it you was tell 18 me. league goals, I think. Oh, 18 yeah. league. It was um, 24 goals in all competitions he got last year. Um, Plus the 13 assists. He's, to be honest, he's he's a weird player in a couple of respects. For a start, when he was uh, in the under-20 squad of his original home club back in Brazil, he was a centre-half. And then they moved him into being a forward, um, which is an unusual switch around. Um but the bottom line is he's he's a brute. He's got a decent goal-scoring record. Um, he's the right kind of age profile. Um, he was at Napoli before uh, before being loaned uh, and then bought by Benfica. Um, and yeah, it feels oddly smart. Um, mm-hmm. So in terms of the data and the kind of player he is, he seems like the right fit. The main thing which stood out to me was... When you see him, because um, I, I didn't really know how to picture him. He was, he's greyed out on Football Manager, so I, I didn't have a photo of him. Um, and then I saw him signing in the on the Tottenham Twitter page. He's a big lad, six mm. three, stocky. Like he's he's not he's going to be well suited to the prep. The best way to describe him is somewhere between Kane and Lorente, um, where he's he's going to be that big target man. But if you can see by his numbers with his assists, but also generally with his passing stats, you can see that he does like to, um, to, to drop a little bit deeper to play the pass, and then he he will get into the box to try and get on the end of the cross. Uh, and he's got he's got a fair bit of pace on him as well for a big lad as well. Once he gets going, it's, it'll be harder it'll be hard for a defender to stop him, you know, with a combination of the pace and the power. I set you a task this week as well. Um, I was desperately trying to come up with some sort of new chant for him and the closest uh, I could get was singing Vinicius to the tune of Falco's Rock Me Amadeus <laughs> which <laughs> it's just not that good um, so with a bait breath we'll start with Jim what what have we got that could we could possibly sing to him when we're eventually let back in the best I can do is something that half half kind of works think Mr Saxo beat but <laughs> <laughs> I'm not not quite there with it, but you know, it just is that the chant or in general? Uh, <laughs> a bit of column A, a bit of column A. I can just I can just see the final line being like Carlos Vinicius. You get the idea. <laughs> <laughs> I always tried. You remember when um, in the World Cup when England actually weren't terrible? And Ruben Loftus Cheek was playing quite a lot, and I was trying to think in my head like a way to come up with a Mr. Saxo beat chant for him, and I never got there either. <laughs> I can imagine someone in the park lane then just suddenly just going, duh, 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 duh. and then the rest, <laughs> the rest of that cop just coming in with, he scores a goal with his head. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there, there must be some sort of scope there, uh, but apart from that, you're halfway there. Um, Living out of Jules and Ash, I don't know who's got a better one. Can we try and save Definitely it till last? Ash. Definitely Ash. All right then, Jules, <laughs> have you actually got anything? No. Fantastic. I have, I have, I have stats for you, so hence he has a better, better rhyme. Okay, well, you stick to numbers uh, and we'll stick to, to notes. Uh, Ash, what you got? 
Well, it's to the tune of um, sort of the animals going by two by two, whatever that song actually got a title, has it? I don't know. Anyway, I refuse to sing it. <laughs> I refuse to poem. <laughs> Surely we have to have a little rendition, otherwise, how, how do we know exactly how it goes, Ash? Yeah, oh, how's the tune go? go? I need a, at least three more pints before I do that. About your limit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Does it, does it does it finish with Carlos Vinicius's Spurs's number? No, it doesn't. Forty-five. Eighty-four. <laughs> <laughs> no, so it goes. He's six foot three, built like a tree. Vinny, Vinny. He came to win the Premier League. Vinny, Vinny. He wears a number forty-five. He'll score and then he'll steal your wife. Levy signed the striker. Is Carlo Vinicius? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a cracking effort. That was better than I anticipated. Um, You're welcome. So fair and, play for not turning that into the car. Surprisingly family friendly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we'll take that. Um, on to Sunday, anyway. Uh, we all expressed dread last week going into this fixture. Um, and the only one thing that, that we could have predicted or could never have predicted was that we were just going to turn up and absolutely thrash him. The only thing we did predict was Fernandez was going to score a penalty. Um <laughs> But for me, Jim, there's been a real change in our mentality, uh, especially to react to to an early goal and turn it around quite spectacularly. Mm. Yeah, and I think that there was a few things that stood out for me. A lot, a lot of them were sort of individual players. Like I thought, Hoybier was magnificent, but like and 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 Dumbele as well. And, and in fact, everybody was. But it, it was even little things like just how good the fullbacks were. If you compare Spurs to uh, United in that game. Spurs just keen to get forward, playing it quickly, playing intelligently um, between the lines, just being positive and, and looking like they were bothered. And compare that to United, and they would, there's one time Luke Shaw just looked like he really didn't want to be there. Because um, <laughs> he really doesn't want to be there. Well, he? he doesn't, yeah, but I mean. Well, he made a good attempt at being just sent away from yeah. entirely. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's like. Um, you don't you don't play well without matching United's biggest home defeat ever. And um, like the, I think the stat that uh, that encompasses it for me is that Spurs played more successful passes in the first half than United did in the whole game. It sort of indicates, like we were saying in in the pub on Friday, that there's something about Jose that just feels like it might actually work after all. I mean. It's only one bad performance away from it all being a disaster again, I'm sure. But it just feels like he's got into a little bit of a groove. Um, played seven games in 20 days and come out of it remarkably well. And and it all just feels a little bit like it's going too well. I don't know what anybody else thinks, but um, yeah, I was I was surprised at just how well it went. Everybody's going to focus on the red card and how that affected the game. But at that point, we were already 2-1 up. And I think we saw enough for, before that just to see that we probably were going to go on and win the game, regardless of a red card. We uh, we, we came there with far more intensity than they did. They're, you know, who was it playing out wide for them? Rashford and Greenwood just had absolutely no intention of tracking our fullbacks that were just causing them all sorts of havoc. We had their number from, from the get-go. So I would, have, I would have been surprised if we still would have won that game, three or four without a red card what did you think of it fan what's what's what stood out for you i mean i don't know where to start because i'm still so overjoyed yeah i've 
growing up all my life <laughs> living in fear of going away to Old Trafford and the inevitable result and I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying that I don't think we've even scored five at Old Trafford since something like 1959 so it's a, it's a real momentous piece of, of history and I haven't seen us play that well in a long long time even in the game the 3-2 against Ajax wasn't that we didn't even play well in that game we just scored three very good goals Bit of f- fun fact, Fen. First time in uh, 67 years that uh, United have conceded four in, in the first half. I've got, I've got an additional fact for you, Jim. I think it's the first time in history that Liverpool and United have conceded six or more on the same day. Yeah. How wonderful is that? I want to go for a pint with the guy that had a bet on them to concede 13 between them because he's going to be a very rich man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think um, when I start, and, and I think, you know, it'd be easy for us to to go over, you know, how great Son and Kane were, which almost feels like a given at this stage. Um, but there are a couple of things which I found more interesting, which aren't maybe so, so discussed. The first is that, Lucas Moore has committed the most fouls of any forward player in the Prem. <laughs> so <Lamella. laughs> and Lamella has committed the most fouls per minute of any forward in the Prem. And we we sort of the guy who plays on the inside right for us is often because Son is off running around in front of Harry Kane. They often have to do quite a dirty job of kind of mucking in. But you know, we all know what, what Jose said he wanted his team to be. And, you know, it's about being intelligent, isn't it? And knowing how to be perhaps a little less than nice, to put it put it in a PC way for Jim. Um, <laughs> but I think, I do honestly think that that we, this game was kind of a bit of evidence of that. We we, we knew the balance, um, you know, the sending off. It absolutely shouldn't be a sending off. But if the guy's dumb enough to do it, then he gets sent off. But then United were chopping us down and making all kinds of horrible fouls throughout the second half. I thought Pogba was lucky not to get away with sort of quite a late kind of uh, one on Hoisberg. Um, the Luke Shaw one obviously was a disgusting challenge. You know, it was, it was kind of tackles of flying in. Um, it was amazing how petulant Pogba was, wasn't it? So petulant. But in those moments, it's so easy for the ref. If someone reacts, the ref is quite inclined to send off someone from the, from the other team as well to even it up. So for Tottenham to have been the intelligent ones for once and got the other team to to make a mistake like that and then not take the bait back. I actually felt like it was it was really mature. And Ash, you're spot on. We we were dominating way before the red card. This was not caused by the red card this win. We were just better. Absolutely. And I'm not saying we are anywhere near the side that Jose Mourinho had at um, Real Madrid, but you can start to see the parallels in terms of the way we're playing. I mean, even if you're going to take it down to those finer details, you were mentioning our inside right uh, player having to do a lot of the dirty work, and that was quite a lot of what Di Maria brought when he was at when he was at Madrid, doing all sorts of trekking back and being generally that intelligent C apostrophe U N T as I wrote it. <laughs> um, but we we have a lot of similarities. So he had he had the attacking fullbacks that we saw in the against the United game with the two holding um, the two strong centre-backs that sort of dominated in the air. He had the one holding midfield player in um, Xabi Alonso, who is obviously a far greater partial of the ball to Hoiberg, but after that they had fairly similar games. So you can start to see 
where um, what type of team he's starting to build here. It's not going to be the same as what we had at United, fortunately. I think it's also um, Hojberg in the middle of the park. It's hard to kind of overstate how how important it is to have a dominant centre mid in those big games. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in some other games, I think if you're if you've just got better forwards or better, you know, just a better all round quality, then you can kind of win without that. But seeing him, you know, dominating against Matic, Pogba, and Fernandez, that for me is a bit of a statement move. I think I think he was he was really impressive there. His assist for Aurier was was sort of out of nowhere and part of his game that, that we completely overlooked. And I get I get uh, parallels with uh, Makaleli when he was at Chelsea and the Mourinho, and, and that really does quite excite me. And even there was one chance where Kane was put for any force he could save from De Gea, mm. but out of nowhere, having won the ball back in the middle of the park, waiting at a far post was Hoybier. If Kane mm. had been able to pick him out. Um, it's that sort of dynamism, that sort of being able to go box to box, which we haven't really seen since peak Wanyama. And even without the ball, sorry, with the ball, but in a relaxed scenario, he's quite happy to sit in front of the two centre-backs if he, if he yeah. wants, and allow the full-backs to go on. Yeah, it's great that he can almost play as a four in that sense. It's, great, it's a great shield yeah. to have. It. And, uh, and it's just a good find. It, it's kind of a... It's evidence, isn't it, that you don't necessarily need a big flashy statement signing. It's just, you know, he came from um, a mid-table Premier League side with not a huge amount of fanfare. And it's, I think Hoybier will end up being, apart from maybe Bale, the most important signing of the summer. I agree. I would also say on on if no one's uh, if you maybe have missed it somehow, and uh, I'm going to give away one of my favourite podcasts, obviously apart from our own at this moment. Um, Football Ramble did a 45 minute interview with Hojberg uh, earlier in the year when he was at um, obviously still at Southampton, and it's such an interesting listen. You get a real sort of measure measure of the man over that time, and he's got he, he comes from a pretty tough background but he his father passed away when he was at Bayern and you know quite you know certainly had to had to show a lot of uh personal resolve in that situation um he went head to head with Pep who thought he trained brilliantly but just said you know look <laughs> look at the talent we've got here it's hard to give you starts every week but he's he's a really sort of powerful character and, and we shouldn't forget that you know he's got, he comes from real pedigree and um, no, just just really excited to uh, see where we can go with him in the team. Yeah, and he yeah. showed that character after the game again when he was interviewed. He he said something along the lines of scoring the six goals is great, but that's that's not the story. The story was the three points and the performance that came along with it. So he's he's got that character that we've been missing for a long time, where it's always striving to be better no matter what the result, no matter what the performance is. Always looking to see how how well we can perform next time. You get the feeling he'd be he he's a manager's dream on the on the uh, the training training ground, isn't he? You get that impression. Really? He's 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 definitely the kind of character that you want that you want in the place. Um, and could we just on on one side note, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna call back to something that I've I've said in an earlier podcast. Jim, you're making the point that you don't need to always come from the biggest club to be mm-hmm. uh, to be a good signing. I called Ollie Watkins ages ago and look what he goes and does against Liverpool I mean come on prediction here he's just a poor man's uh, uh, stopped clock is right Venetius, really. 
so bitter, Jim. So bitter. <laughs> I think we need to. No, it's a good shout. A fair bit of attention to um, <laughs> to Sky's presentation uh, after the game. I think it is quite poignant. Um, it almost looked to me like like Spurs hadn't even played, uh, despite United losing and conceding six. No time was spent talking about how well we'd played. Uh, ordinarily, I think I would have cancelled my Sky Sports subscription, uh, but the live streaming of a complete mental breakdowns of Patrice Evra and Gary Neville it was just so entertaining. Um, it was like the only scene to base it in. It was sort of both arousing and disturbing in equal measure. Uh, but, you know, in that respect, you love to see it. But I was quite disappointed in, in the way that they presented us. I think it's kind of a, a symptom of just the way that a lot of things in football have gone it's a it's a bit like um i i think i've said before i hate transfer deadline day not because it's transfer deadline day but just because of the circus around it and everything that it ends up being it's more about the occasion than it is the football and it's kind of the same with these sort of big moments it's like you'll get you know, like half-time analysis on Sky and they'll talk about one thing for 10 minutes and that'll be it and it'll be a sort of 50-50 and should it have been VARD or not. Um, And it's like we're seven years into United having this sort of crisis of identity and not being very good and people are still shocked. (laughs) (laughs) Lads, it's been nearly a decade now. We should be kind of used to it. And actually, Fen, you're spot on. Like Spurs, not even, you know, 12 months ago, Spurs were a laughing stock. It's it, you know, it's kind of become this self-fulfilling prophecy that everything that Jose does has to fail and therefore Spurs have to be bad. But somebody should probably just go, hang on a minute, things are going quite well here and that was a really good performance. Well done. Uh, maybe was... that would actually make things a bit more interesting. It would make uh, full-time analysis actually worth watching. I was going to say, I, I turn off the TV now as soon as the, the match has gone or I just mute, mute the... Uh, the pundits because it's just too bad a, a, a setup um, and I also can't stand the way that Evra and uh, and Sunis are allowed to just get away with with just being completely wrong or offensive or or something to that to that extent but we did get an apology which was a bit half-assed regarding something that Sunis the company made about uh, Latin football to put it in his terms and I know uh, Ash and Jules have got probably a fair bit to say about it. Um, probably start with you, Ash, as the, the sort of resident foreigner on the podcast. <laughs> uh, I think the most frustrating thing about the apology was it didn't even come from Sunes. If there's any way you can have a less sincere apology, then I'm yet to see it. It was it was <laughs> pointless, absolutely pointless, and it's not it's nothing new. We've had these sort of just throwaway comments that are really offensive happen all over the years. I think you'll hear it from uh, particularly from from black people where they where a lot of African stars have been. Um, they've always been times with the brush where, oh, yeah, well, they're great athletes, but they're not particularly technical or even Asian people being real workhorses. But again, not that great on the ball. And it's just something that is just in the game and has been for a long time. And. A little apology like that is not good enough. It's not good enough. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. And I think it's... Uh, um, but I, I would say we, we, we probably shouldn't sort of break down the point given the, the time we have available. There's a great thread by Philippe Auclair, who's a fantastic uh, French journalist from the same area of France, actually, that, that my dad's from. 
Um, and he talks about that era of France referring to itself as having Latin influence and what it means and that it also, we shouldn't shy away from different countries having traditions in football. And, and, and it's interesting that, you know, to look at what countries bring and what different cultures bring to the game. Um, but it just needs to be done with, frankly, more class and intelligence and riposte um, and actual accuracy than Graham Sumas is frankly capable of. So that would be my yeah. summary. Yeah, I mean, he, he he has been out there and played and coached. So he, he could have made it. It was a great opportunity for him to be articulate, um, but he just fundamentally failed, really. He is ultimately an old age dinosaur he's somehow <laughs> still in a job so do you think it's got anything to do with the fact that sky sports basically hires exclusively liverpool and man united ex-players i think it's more to do with controversy because if people say controversial things it gets clicks and it gets people talking that that style of football analysis and presenting lives off things like dodgy var penalties and dodgy red cards and scandals and crises because it just allows people to say pretty cheap things without much thought or consideration in what they're saying and people go oh, yeah that's that's a good idea yeah i hadn't thought of it like that <laughs> i think that's a perfect description the important thing and we you know we know it um i think is that when i said to you last week you know if you were to choose a, a win and a draw and a loss from our games i was i'm absolutely astonished that one week on we we sat here with three wins, a bit of a sort of statement win against United and Europa League group stage to come. Um, so yeah, exciting exciting times as we as we head on. Only for our momentum to now be paused by the bloody international break. <laughs> We're going to win it all, Jules. We're going to win it all. I I still maintain. I think you're going to win the football. <laughs> we'll win football as a sport. The soccer. <laughs> yeah, it's go- it's going to be strange for us next week. Um, in our next podcast because we've gone from go doing three games a week to absolutely nothing um but no doubt we will actually cobble something together uh, and it probably gives our players a one-hand break as well so join us next week we'll have a look ahead to uh, a derby against Stratford United a look back at a transfer window to remember uh, and we find out the result of our nationwide campaign to find a long-lost Danny Rose <laughs>